Welcome to the Purpose Inc. podcast, where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I talk to business leaders and writers, thinkers, analysts, and critics about the evolving role of corporations in society. I'm your host, Michael Young. This is episode zero of the Purpose Inc. podcast, and by that I mean I'm going to use this uh, episode to summarize for you, the listener, what it is that I hope to do on this podcast, uh, lay out some of the key questions that I want to investigate. I'll discuss my approach to the subject matter, tell you a little bit about myself, uh, so you can get a sense of where I'm coming from, because I think that informs my approach to the subject matter, definitely. Um, Spend some time talking about the current context, the territory, if you will, of purpose in early 2020, uh, the first month of the decade, if you will, the year and the decade. Um, And then, um, you know, so just kind of put wrap that all up in a bow for this first episode. Um, So right to the goal. Um, My goal here is to explore corporate purpose, uh, stakeholder capitalism, uh, look at the various um, environmental, social, and governance issues that are uh, impacting how corporations are now looking to uh, manage and also uh, tell their purpose stories. Um, it's definitely an expansive topic um, with a lot of dimensions. And the main question that I want to investigate on this podcast, which is essentially all an elaboration of the central question, which is whether, how, where, and to what extent can businesses uh, cast and recast themselves as constructive social actors? So obviously, we'll want to get to a definition of purpose. I'll ask around Uh, for various viewpoints on that topic. I know some people in the field that uh, work uh, and can answer that question. How does purpose manifest? What, how do you know when you see it? What constitutes success? Uh, How do we know if purpose driven, uh, a purpose driven uh, organization, how do you know if it's working? Um, Is it the same for every business? Does it vary by type? How does it vary by geography, by country? I definitely hope to get some some global viewpoints on the podcast. Uh, I want to talk about who the players are, what role do they play, how do those roles vary, what are the responsibilities between executives, um, employees, boards of directors, uh, what role for investors, asset managers, customers, civil society, and what are some examples where individuals are getting it right and where it's not working. Uh, I definitely want to unpack the governance and reporting frameworks that seek to create more transparency and accountability. Uh, Anything from UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, the GRI, uh, Global Reporting Initiative. Uh, Recently, um, the SASB and the TFCD have gotten some new life, uh, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board and the Task Force on Climate-Related Disclosures. Um, we'll look at the ESG rating agencies and methodologies um, and then really investigate. So next, uh, investigate 
how organizations activate their purpose. Um, how is it communicated? Who are the audiences for corporate purpose? How should it be communicated? What are the best channels? And again, how well, when and where is that working? Uh, and then finally, I'd like to engage with the critics of corporate purpose who are leveling charges that um, and criticisms against um, the, the overall validity of corporate purpose. So that's it in a nutshell, uh, the questions and the framework of who I want to get it, uh, how, what I want to get after in this podcast. Uh, maybe just by way of um, approach, uh, I intend to ga- engage very broadly with the issues and ideas of purpose without trying to elaborate a particular position or point of view. This is definitely not a an opinion podcast. Um, my hope is uh, that I can be analytical, expository, and critical in equal measure. Um, definitely not trying to uh, find, you know, absolute agreement on any topic or win a debate. Um, I think there's a lot here. And so I hope to um, engage broadly with the subject matter, uh, both internally, those doing the work inside and alongside corporations, um, helping, you know, those helping to find new modes of corporate purpose. Um, and then, as I said, also the critics who say this is the purpose, CSR, Corporate philanthropy is nothing more than hand-waving and woke-washing to distract the citizenry from the baleful consequences of uh, the corporations visit upon workers, communities, and the planet. Um, So hearing from both sides. um, So a little bit about me and uh, my background. Uh, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm married. I have four children. I'm the founder of a marketing services group. Uh, called Millwright Holdings. Um, there are a couple of um, marketing agencies inside of those, uh, inside of that entity, uh, one of which actual agency helps in the production of this podcast. Um, politically and philosophically, I consider myself a liberal. And by that, I mean I adhere to liberalism, which should not be immediately confused with American leftist politics but rather the moral philosophy based on liberty, consent of the government, equality before the law. Uh, Nor should that be confused with right-wing libertarianism of the Randian variety. So pretty much down the middle of the plate, if you will. Um, And so like most liberals, I support individual rights, civil rights, human rights, democracy, secularism, gender equality, racial equality, LGBTQ equality, internationalism, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion. Um, and yes, uh, I am an ardent capitalist. Um, and, and I think that's an important thing to note here. And, and as a capitalist um, and a liberal, uh, I'm opposed to the excesses of capitalism, things like anti-competitive behavior, unregulated monopolies, rent seeking, regulatory capture, crony capitalism, all of those are antithetical to, I believe, to capitalism. And I, and I do think the government has power. While it should be limited, uh, it should be directed to protecting human freedom and human flourishing. But it also uh, should include taxation and 
regulation and policing of market failure. Um, so this is not, you know, I don't believe in capitalism as a, uh, as a neoliberal free for all. I think that government has a role. Um, and as a resident of the planet, um, I want to see progress on reducing and eliminating the negative externalities, the unpriced negative externalities of capitalism, specifically pollution, environmental degradation, among others. Um, there are lots of other um, negative externalities, tax avoidance, discrimination, inequality, um, but certainly the big ones. Um, so I want to see progress on those. And I think, I think we are making progress and we can, but we need to make more. Um, in terms of my, um, you know, general curiosities, I would say I've, I'm possessed of, uh, a lot of, a lot of curiosities. I tend to have some divergent, sometimes conflicting viewpoints on different topics. Uh, but I do consider myself fairly well-read in politics, economics, political philosophy, geography, critical theory, um, I finally earned a Bachelor of Science with honors from the University of London, where I studied international relations at the London School of Economics. Um, so let's talk about the landscape uh, here on in broadly in in purpose in 2020. I'm uh, recording this in um, late January of 2020. So, um, but really to kind of zoom back, if you will, um, and talk broadly about the corporation and the role of corporations in society. And so if we go all the way back to Adam Smith in the 18th century, the dominant ideology in Western capitalism has been uh, and continues to be that economic activity should be determined by the free market, that prices, the distribution of wealth and policies of the state should align to maximize wealth and private gain. But quick side note, I think Smith is not alone in this, been widely and maybe wrongly caricatured by many, uh, particularly um, on the right, as someone who saw no role for government in economic life. Um, and uh, that is just a misreading of Smith. Broadly, he was not one-dimensional by any stretch of the imagination um, on the role of capital in the state. He definitely protested mightily against the abuses of monopoly capitalism in his day, the British East India uh, Company in particular, and mainly because it uh, was, he viewed at that organization as amoral and willfully opposed to the Enlightenment principles he held dear of of uh, human equality. And so he did criticize that company in particular for its monopolistic, anti-statist, anti-free market tendencies. Um, but the, um, the breadth and depth of Smith's criticism of monopoly capitalism and state capture is definitely beyond the scope of this uh, episode and probably this podcast and is well documented elsewhere. But I just wanted to kind of start there because, again, when we're speaking of capitalism, we've got to think about, I, I think we should think about capitalism broadly and 
and historically as well. So if we zoom fast forward to Fried, Milton Friedman in his uh, 1970s um, ar- famous argument article about um, capital or business, he said that the business of business is business and that any wider considerations beyond shareholder value would be value destroying. And so certainly since Friedman, um, the sole aim of the corporation has been viewed as producing an increasing rate of return for shareholders, and that is it. And that has been the orthodoxy um, in Western capitalism. And, you know, doesn't take much to realize that Smith's view was widely, very simplistic. Um, He put supreme faith in the capacity of markets to deliver results. He ignores a wide range of externalities um, and just says that companies should focus on that core competency, maximize financial returns. If managers do that, then we leave it up to shareholders to vote with their capital and or consumers to vote with their feet and their dollars. And so the problems of society should not be considered within the boardroom. But that has certainly begun to change. And, and um, you know, as, as recently as 2018, uh, Larry Fink of uh, BlackRock famously wrote in his letter to shareholders that, that, quote, society is demanding that companies, both public and private, serve a social purpose. And to prosper over time, every company must not only deliver financial performance, but also must show how it makes a positive contribution to society. Without a sense of purpose, no company, either public or private, can achieve its full potential. It will ultimately lose the license to operate from key stakeholders, close quotes. And then in 2019, uh, the Business Roundtable, which a group of large uh, company CEOs in the U.S. issued a declaration on the purpose of the corporation, which said, and I quote, to serve all stakeholders moving away from shareholder primacy. And so we started to see in the last couple of years new models for Uh, and recognition for the role of the corporation starting to take place and uh, take hold. And, and, um, and, you know, even uh, Mark Benioff in 2019 said that capitalism as we know it is dead. um, And that Milton Friedman's style of capitalism is, um, has to be about more than just making money. Um, So there's definitely a renewed focus, um, kind of talk of the stakeholder CEO companies are starting to get on board with this, the notion of purpose, um, consumers, employees, investors, boards of directors are definitely demanding more action. But the question could arise, is this anything new? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so the talk of stakeholders has is not new. It's been around for a while. We've heard companies over the, over the past several decades, um, talk about um, stakeholders and, and more broadly, uh, but change has been slow. And while most CEOs can pitch triple bottom line, talk circular economy, wax eloquent about 
diversity, inclusion, and stakeholder capitalism. Many critics, um, and 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 my, maybe not unfairly, have said that corporations, while saying, you know, making those noises, still turn a blind eye to the negative externalities that they're responsible for creating. Um, but that again uh, is beginning to change. And uh, a 2019 survey by Accenture on um, um, asked CEOs whether they thought um, businesses should be making a greater contribution to social goals. Three quarters of them said uh, that they should, but 21% of those CEOs said that that they're not currently playing, businesses are not currently playing enough of a critical role in achieving UN sustainable development goals, which was the kind of the basis of that, um, of, of what they meant by social good. Um, so CSR, corporate social responsibility has been around for a while. Um, and that has, um, it continues. Um, and, and that can be anything from, um, you know, planting trees or funding a particular charity um, to actually um, helping attach to a specific social good. And there are lots and lots of examples of those. I won't go into them specifically now. Um, but some of that has been criticized as corporate philanthropy without much purpose. Um, so, and today, again, back to the investor standpoint, uh, the the new framework, or not new, but you know, the really dominant framework now is uh, for looking at, at, at company behavior and risk is through the lens of ESG, uh, environmental, social, and governance. If you're not familiar with that, and I, I plan to dive into that in in, in some great detail on the podcast, um, but investors are now looking at. Uh, organizations through the ESG lens to think about corporate exposure to a range of risks along those three uh, dimensions, environmental, social, and governance. Um, And there's definitely increased focus by asset managers to measure organizational risk. Um, The G in governance has long been dominant. So investors looking to looking at governance as the, as the, as the, as the key risk factor, but ES, E and S are now starting to uh, carry more weight. And if we go back to uh, Mr. Fink uh, at BlackRock, uh, they announced in uh, 2020 that they would be, BlackRock would be increasingly disposed to vote against management and boards if companies did not disclose climate risk and their plans, uh, for managing that in line with key industry standards. So that's seven plus trillion dollars in assets talking right there. They all, uh, BlackRock went on to say that they are going to pull back from thermal coal producers in their actively managed debt and equity portfolios by mid-2020, um, a move that, that would lead to the sale of about $500 million, uh, in assets, um, and they're going, and BlackRock is going to expand the range of its sustainable investment products, um, and and double the number of exchange traded funds uh, that address uh, ESG and government governance challenges. 
Um, you know, critics definitely lashed uh, BlackRock for not going far enough, um, also for its inconsistency over time in um, in how in its voting record relative to uh, climate change. So whether they've actually lived up to that uh, that claim, but be that as it may, it's a big move by the world's largest asset manager. I do think it's going to have knock-on effects across. Uh, the investment community, as many look to BlackRock as a leader uh, in this space. So we are making some progress, um, albeit slow in in external pressure on corporations. The um, you know the microprudential move has been every company looking at its own risk profile and trying to get that right. Uh, we're starting to see some macro prudential moves by BlackRock and by others. Um, but largely on the on the sidelines have been governments, particularly the U.S. government, uh, government uh, in terms of, of, of real action. So, you know, where are we in 2020? Um, there's this new urgency, as I said. Um, there, and that that's really based on the fact that we... Um, it's pretty clear we've been mortgaging our environmental future and service to our economic present. Uh, and we can see the consequences of those choices in the current climate emergency. Um, there's a lot in, in the levels of, of inequality, um, among other things. So capitalism is not working as well as it should. Uh, economic growth is uneven. There's a lot of inequality. Uh, there's a lot of environmental suffering uh, going on, and governments should be enacting reforms to deal with this. But politics in many places and in many cases is gridlocked and unstable, certainly in the United States. Um, and, and, and again, back to the critics of, of corporate, of corporations, uh, largely the the chorus has been that corporations are using purpose initiatives as low-cost virtue signaling, um, and and in some cases that may be true. Um, um, of, you know, saying one thing but lobbying for another, and and not really, not really taking those uh, those issues seriously. Uh, but ultimately, I think those days of the days of obfuscating and hiding are are pretty much over the role of business um, in delivering um, better, maybe not perfect, but better social and environmental outcomes is definitely in the spotlight. There's no question about it. Um, from an investor standpoint, a stakeholder standpoint, uh, consumers as well um, are not really going to doesn't seem that consumers are going to diminish their demands um, to, for corporations and businesses to act with greater responsibility. Uh, it's only going to increase, and, and splashy gestures aren't really going to cut it. Uh, we know from, speaking of virtue signaling, we know from evolutionary biology and economics, which imported that notion that for a signal to be valid and virtuous, it has to carry a cost. So there are no, there are no, there's no zero cost virtue signaling. 
in order for it to be a true virtue, it has to carry a cost. Otherwise, it's just going to be PR and fakery. And I think the um, consumers, employees, stakeholders are got, have gotten much finer. Uh, there's a much finer lens on on that. So businesses need to step up and they are stepping up their commitments and actions to tackle some of these um, some of these big macro issues. Uh, and I think they are, and, and, um, you know, not every, not every, not every company every day, but, um, more companies, uh, more days of the week are, are, are trying to get this right. And, you know, just to say categorically that, you know, business leaders are not sitting around boardrooms, lighting cigars from oil soaked birds, right? That's not what they're doing. Businesses want both consumers and employees who are young and educated and affluent. And those are precisely uh, those who embrace socially liberal politics and evolved environment and have evolved environmental commitments. So if organizations want to attract young talent, which they do, and they want to maintain a connection to their consumers, uh, they're going to have to. They're going to have to get this right. So that's that's going to be that that some of that macro pressure that is going to continue to uh, be put on businesses. And and 2020 really feels like a year and a decade where we're going to or the beginning of a decade where we're going to start to see some real change. And and we need it. We need action. We need change. We need new ways of collaborating. We need new new business models. New new forms of measuring. Uh, investments and uh, and new ways to engage and and talk about this. So, just to summarize, um, we are definitely seeing the growing weight of stakeholder expectations on businesses, and 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 while many see the the political system is broken, expectations for change are growing. The cost of failure is high, um, and tolerance for empty gestures is lower than ever. Um, and, and, and corporate words need to be backed up with with material, concrete action. Maybe not perfect action, right? It's not going to be perfect, um, but walking—you know—not just talking about it, but but doing something. And so. Um, I do believe that, you know, we will see movement, corporations, government, stakeholders, all working together to tackle these issues. And I think the key word there is working together. Um, I said at the top, I am a, an ardent capitalist, uh, capitalist and uh, but I don't intend to suggest that market-based capitalism is perfect or all wise. And But at the same time, to misappropriate Churchill... Market-based capitalism is the worst form of economic organization, except for all the others that have been tried from time to time. Capitalism is the system we've got. It's, uh, it's not perfect, but we're not going to move away from capitalism anytime soon, despite what we might be hearing on the left, uh, at least in this um, ele- election cycle in the United States. So if we're serious about this, which I know we are, and, and, and we're going to have to uh, continue to have an honest, frank, 
open discussion about how to deliver the required change uh, and work together on solutions. So my my sincere hope is that uh, on this podcast, I'll be able to provide at least a well-rounded survey of corporate purpose, sustainability, stakeholder capitalism, and all that all that goes with that. Uh, I'm looking forward to engaging with people who are working to advance uh, corporate purpose, as well as those who are challenging businesses on this issue. So I'm excited to embark on this journey with you. I hope uh, you find the discussion worthy and worthwhile. And again, I'm Michael Young, your host of Purpose Inc. Thanks very much for listening. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.